Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. This is the Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on the Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there. Happy Wednesday and welcome to The Hash here on Coindesk TV. Thanks for being here. We are here to get you up to speed on what's going on in the world of crypto news because there's always a lot going on. Wendy O is going to start us off today with an FTX bankruptcy update. What do you got, Wendy? Gosh, golly gee, you guys, this thing is going to be a topic of conversation for a long time. Just in, bipartisan group of U.S. senators calls for independent examiner to investigate FTX. And this bipartisan group is actually very interesting because it's comprised of Senators Elizabeth Warren, John Hinkelooper, Tom Tillis, and Cynthia Loomis, which I actually like her because she's kind of pro-crypto. And shout out to um, Hotep Jesus, because he also told me that um, anytime you see anything bipartisan, it's not a good thing. You want them fighting and going at it. I don't know. That's what he said. But anyways, the four U.S. senators sent a letter to the bankruptcy judge calling for independent examiner to be appointed to the case. And they're urging the judge to support a motion to appoint an examiner to have full authority and resources to conduct an objective investigation of the activities that led to the collapse. And they argue that the current advisor, Sullivan and Cromwell, advised FTX for years leading up to its collapse, and one of its partners even served as FTX's general counsel. That seems like a conflict of interest to me. But just in in the bankruptcy hearing today, Delaware Judge John Dorsey called the letter inappropriate intervention in banking proceedings, which won't sway judicial decisions. Hmm. Hmm. Jen, I need your opinion on this because it's kind of a heavy topic and it's a lot to chat about. Yeah, so I read this story and I was like, oh yeah, I totally agree with the senators. And then I read the judge's stance. And I was like, yeah, I totally agree with the judge. So let's talk about Sullivan and Cromwell first. They're assisting the current FTX leadership in identifying issues. The senators are saying that they're not a disinterested party because they've been working with FTX for a really long time. And some of their partners have even served as general counsel for FTX. That really does sound like a conflict of interest. But at the end of the day, I think my opinion here is that the judge is right, that this should all come out in court. Everyone should have a chance to respond to any of these matters. And it seems like the court is compiling lots of different witnesses who can speak to or against this, and it should all play out in court. It shouldn't be swayed by senators. So I stand with the judge here. 
I know yesterday we learned that the former FTX chief of engineering is also wanting to cooperate with the feds now when it comes to FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried's political donations. That former chief of engineering did make political donations to the Democratic Party in the millions. And so I think that, that there's going to be enough evidence and people who come out to speak on the ongoings that we don't really need the senators to interrupt. Will, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. This is, this is an interesting angle. I didn't see this popping up to see four different senators come at this from different angles. Uh, also bipartisan, as you mentioned, Wendy, which is a pretty rare thing to see on Capitol Hill. And they're not disinterested parties, right? The former general counsel for FTX. So that does make it a bit of a head scratcher. At the same time, the judge overseeing this has the ability to make a decision on top of whatever evidence is in front of them. So best of luck to all of that. I do want to turn over to the new information we have from the chapter 11 filings, which is they found about $5 billion in liquid assets, which is a pretty significant amount of money, right? Because if we go back to the chapter 11 documents themselves, say between one and $10 billion in liabilities were outstanding to multiple different creditor parties. And $5 billion found pretty sizable amount that shores up a lot of people. At the same time, we know that there's a lot of people actually selling their creditor profiles for FTX for about 13 cents on the dollar. So if we're looking at this $5 billion hole and we have about $5 billion or $5 billion found from liquid assets, and you have about between one and 10 billion liabilities probably on the high side there, we might say like people might get a little bit more money back than they might think so at this time. So that's pretty good news to start the day on. Zach, I'll throw that up to you. I'm gonna throw a little cold water on that. I was looking at a nice tweet from a Coinbase guy, so take it with a grain of salt, but he was looking at this 5 billion figure, trying to find all the public wallets that were associated with FTX. And most of it is fairly illiquid. Some of it is locked soul tokens. So some of this count may be sort of, I don't know, misrepresented, right? Or lacking the nuance of the fair market value of these assets that you couldn't immediately liquidate at anything close to the value that's being indicated here. So there is some, I guess, some doubt being cast on this number as to whether or not that $5 billion, uh, is meaningfully realistic. So again, I think the bottom line here is FTX bankruptcy. We're going to hear a lot about it over and over and over again. Maybe these U.S. senators are trying to make a little bit of hay as it relates to Sam Bankman-Fried's political contributions, primarily to the Democrats. He was a major supporter of Joe Biden's presidential campaign. So I think obviously they're trying to suggest that potentially hey, um, there may be some political things at play here that we want uh, unearthed from an independent person. So I don't know. It's really hard to, uh, to suss out all the different motivations from the various actors who are touched by this bankruptcy proceeding. And we're going to hear a lot of these little updates over the next weeks, months, and potentially even years. Crazy to think about. Wendy, last thoughts on this one? Really quickly, I used to work for collections and I have a very, very good friend that does like bankruptcy collections. And if you can get 33 cents on the dollar back or to the people, that's actually good. So the 13 cents figure does make sense because people are probably thinking there's literally nothing there. So if you can get anything back at all when a crypto exchange goes down, yay. Well, I think you have got the next story if I'm correct. I do indeed. Remember that little spat between CZ and the Indian exchange was your ex? Well, we're going to turn to that next and talk about a little more intrigue between those two firms. X is one of the largest Indian-based exchanges. And they hit a little spat with Binance, which Binance said at the time that it owned WazirX and then backed off of it. WazirX said that they had a relationship with Binance and then backed off of it. There were some tweets, little fisticuffs going on. Now we have new data from Merkle Tree Report and the proof of reserves showing that actually a lot of WazirX's 90% of their assets actually are based on Binance. Why does this matter? Well, if you think about Binance and how it's so large and how uh, so many people use it, and then you see that exchanges are building on top of it as well. 
you start thinking a little bit about contagion. You start thinking about are the people at Wazoo X and people using that platform safe if Binance collapses or has any trouble? So that's one angle on this. And then on top of this, you actually have to ask a little bit about why there were some problems between Wazir's X CEO and the Binance CEO CZ at the time. Why were they talking about this going back and forth when Wazir X was actually using Binance for most of its applications? Jen, I'm going to throw the story over to you. I think this adds like a little bit more color. I love seeing the data show that. Yeah, well, first of all, I love that Wazirx came out and is publishing their proof of reserves, trying to be a little bit more transparent for their Indian users. Secondly, when I read this 90% number and saw that their 90% of their funds are being held on wallets on Binance, I was kind of shocked. And it took me back to the Twitter spat, right? So during that Twitter spat, CZ said, Binance provides wallet services for Wazirx. Wazirx domain is transferred to our control. We were given a shared access to an AWS account. And that's what they were like fighting about, right? They were like, well, that's not exactly correct. We still completely hold our funds. And now they've voluntarily published this information. I don't want to cause FUD and worry. But if I was an Indian user and I saw these numbers, I don't know. I just think it's a great time to be holding on to your own coins. Like Wendy O always tells us, get a hard wallet, hold on to your own stuff. While we work out the interconnectedness <laughs> of this industry because it's getting a little bit frightening. Wendy? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And also, I remember covering Wazir X on my channel when they first like started business. So big shout out to everybody who uses that exchange. And also shout out to everybody over in India that is watching Coindesk TV, the hash. You guys are absolutely awesome. And as always, please make sure you custody your coins. That 90% figure there, I don't like that. I don't like it any way, shape or form. I'm not telling you all to remove your funds off exchanges, but I'm also telling you you should consider using cold storage. That just is too much risk for me. Because just in case something does happen to Binance, it's going to automatically impact Wazir X users, like no matter what. I don't know, like the math wouldn't add up to me properly. Maybe I'm missing something. Zach or Will, if you guys want to take it and maybe give like a good pro to how that would be a good thing that 90% of the funds are on Binance wallets. I'm not sure if, I just don't think it's a good thing. Jen, maybe you go ahead and then I can add some color there. Well, I had a question. So maybe it's, I'm just going to pop the question over to you, Will. And it kind of is, is similar to Wendy's question. Why, why, why would Wazir X not look at holding the funds themselves? Why is this a good business decision? So it's the same question that Wendy had. Yeah, no, I think there's a few explanations. I'll go real quick, hand it off to Zach. I think the reason for it is they're probably using Binance for some sort of trade execution. If you look at the margins and spreads for crypto prices, Binance has the best. They're the, the most dominant exchange in the world. Uh, for a lot of their trading pairs, you actually don't get charged at all. There's no fees. And they're, they're so dominant right now compared to everyone else, especially during this bear market. So many exchanges have gone belly up and Binance has just taken their market cap. So it makes sense for a lot of these smaller exchanges that can't really get those good price quotes to use Binance as their back end and then have a front end with their own customers. Honestly, it sort of makes sense. And it's something that we see in the traditional banking sector as well, right? Where commercial banks work with larger banks and then they work with like federal regulated banks. It's normally how federal or financial institutions work. It's not very shocking to me to see that. That being said, there is some contagion risk there. Zach, up to you. Yeah, I'm just sitting out all things Indian crypto. If they like, it is so intense. It's, so, it's one thing and then it's the next thing. It it's what we think it's good and then it's bad. There's always something going on in crypto in India. And it's just, it's just, it's a lot to keep up with. So this is mm -hmm. another entry into that thing where we have the spat between Binance and Wazirx. Now we're seeing that there is clearly some relationship there. I don't know what to believe when it comes to crypto stuff in India. It's a major market, especially for developer talent. There's a ton of people there. There's always speculation that they would kind of go the China route, at least the government of, in of India. 
in imposing a strict ban. That didn't end up being the case, but then they imposed significant tax levies, driving a lot of crypto activity offshore. So I don't really know, man. India, it's crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm tapping out. Zach summed it up so out. nicely. You, you know what we need? We, we need an Indian novella to let, kind of dissect what's going on to explain this to us better because I feel like it would do a better job than mainstream media. It would be so much more colorful and exciting because let's face it, novellas in every single culture are just my absolute favorite. So much drama, so much seduction, mystery, murder. You just don't know what's going to happen next, guys. <laughs> the Coindesk like novellas. We could yeah. be a new thing after Crypto Crooks. You know, it's the first narrative podcast. You know, first telenovela from Coindesk featuring the Indian <laughs> crypto scene. I'm in. Let's do it. I'm going to talk about the digital yuan. Here we go. We're going to China. People's Bank of China put the digital yuan usage in cash circulation statistics for the first time. We're talking about CBDCs. China has been the most advanced on the CBDC conversation. It's just a minuscule fraction of what cash is being circulated in China at present, but that will change soon, I'm sure. Let's talk about CBDCs. They've been contentious within the crypto world for some of their privacy implications and whatnot, but we're going to talk about this one because they are ahead of the curve over in China as it relates to CBDC circulation as evidenced by this data. Jen, I'm tossing it to you. What do you think about this? Okay, so we all know that I'm not a huge fan of CBDCs because of the privacy implication. When I was reading the story, I was just kind of reflecting on, I've visited China twice and out of all the countries I visited, it is not surprising that the Chinese citizens are adopting and accepting CBDCs. So the last time I was there, I've said this on the show before, you know, you couldn't even use a credit card in a, in a lot of the stores. It was all based on paying with your WeChat app, couldn't really use cash. A lot of vendors are just like, no, we just use WeChat. And so it's already been very digital, like the user experience is already there. And so I'm not surprised that, that the Chinese are slowly adopting CBDCs. Next, can we just talk about the amazing marketing campaign that the Chinese government has put out to, to get more people to use the CBDC this Chinese New Year? So a Chinese New Year, Chinese gift money in their red envelope. And now there's a digital version of the red envelope that you can gift the CBDC to people. You can also pool your funds together and then, you know, you and your friends get a random amount. It's kind of a fun gamified experience. And so I'll just say, I don't like CBDCs. I think I don't know if it's going to be used for good in China, but the marketing campaign, wow, I was surprised to read that. Zach? Yeah, that is smooth. I like that. And you know what? I'm warming CBDCs. Like CBDCs, if you could like do like proper tax accounting for me, like just through my CBDC. I would love that too. I'm done. That'd be great. I'm warming to these things. Yum, I don't yum. Even deal with traditional <laughs> cash or whatever, dude. Just give me a CBDC, figure out my stuff for me, take my taxes, let me go my way. I'm a law-abiding citizen. You can have your cut, government, state government, take it. Let me get some of this digital dollar action. Or, you know, for now, we just have, the, we have this thing. But I'll toss it to Wendy. She's a, she, hates, she hates a CBDC. So somebody I do, had to but you know what, Zach? You kind of got me. I paid like 20 grand to get my taxes filed for 2021. I'm so scared yeah. to see what it's going to cost this year. So if it's automatically done for me with this stupid, stupid communism CD, CBDC, I'm with it. I'm with it. What's Just kidding. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Wendy's the you red envelope, the tax filings. You damn marketing. You all, what is this? 
Convenience. Yeah. I will say CBDCs are absolutely terrible. I hate them, but I just had, I had a moment of weakness. I'm a woman. I'm emotional. Just let me be. But in reality, like to me, it's just wild to see China just pushing through the CBDC, like absolutely slaying it in every single aspect. And the United States just cannot figure out what they want to do. The United States, we literally want to ban gas stoves. We literally care about banning gas stoves instead of working on a CBDC in the United States of America or whatever it is we're doing. Okay, let's look at the data a little bit because this is this is an interesting story <laughs> Real, from a data perspective. We need to take it back. You guys need to stop praising this this communist money. Let's talk about the data. So 0.13% of all their outstanding cash, cash balances for uh, the Chinese I guess monetary regime here. If we look at the total amount of stable coins in circulation, according to coin market cap, it's about 138 billion. And the cash on hand from the uh, Chinese yuan CBDC is about 2 billion. So if you look at the percentages or the, the total cash amount in stable coins from the Chinese government versus the total stable coin market, it's actually like not very far off, right? Like we could see a world in a year from now or two years from now where those markets are actually competing right now. Stable coins in the US or in Western countries and crypto are predominantly made by private companies. So they have a pretty low upper limit of how big they're going to be. Tether was the biggest this last cycle. I don't know the total figure, but I think it got into like a 300 billions in total circulation for market cap. And uh, competitors like Circle also got pretty big up there. But a government getting into this could actually balloon that figure quite fast. They really think that is a good implementation and if people like it. So if people really like those red cards, Jen, and yes, we could see stable coins getting pretty big. But let's move to our last story. Wendy, I'll throw it over to you. It's actually my story, Will. But come on, you oops. guys got to be tired of hearing me talk, please. Okay. <laughs> no, interception. Okay. Interception by Jen. <laughs> We're going to go to Hollywood. All right. Gala Games deleted a tweet on Monday that announced a partnership with some Hollywood heavyweights. The tweet said, that the company was working with The Rock, also known as Dwayne Johnson and Mark Wahlberg. The company's offered no explanation as to why the tweet appeared and then it, why it was deleted. Their token gala jumped over 70%. Now, this all happened at the beginning of the week. The token's now about 20% lower, but up 130% for the month. Small disclosure, I contribute to a gaming DAO. So... Oh, I love Web3 Gaming. Wendy, I'm going to toss this off to you. What do you make of this from a trading perspective? What's going on with the okay. token? So full disclosure, I own a buttload of Gala and I have worked with them in the past. So full disclosure there. So this is one of the projects we kind of talked about when we we're analyzing like price action. And the reason why it's super important, because a lot of people think that it's okay to go ahead and chase green candles, especially after like 100% pump. This is not something you want to do, especially in a bear market like this. Yes, you can have bullish continuation, but if you have no idea what you're doing, you want to be very, very careful when you're chasing a green candle. Because generally what happens when you in the bear market, when you get that green candle pump, you get a reversal and you drop down. I think the all-time high for Gala, this mini run was like five cents and then it dropped a little bit, which is fine. That's normal. That's healthy. But at the same time, from a trader's perspective, you want to be really, really weary and careful when these types of things run like that. However, a lot of the metaverse and gaming tokens, those have been showing really great price action as well. So it's not just Gala. It was kind of like a that entire segment was doing well. So as a trader's perspective, that's what I would pay attention to. And that's also why I don't like dollar cost averaging for altcoins is because 
Yeah, I did a video on this yesterday on my channel. Go check it out if you want. Sorry, I'm shameless promotion here, self-promotion here. But um, Zach, got, hey, it was an important video, man. It's going to show you how to not get wrecked <laughs> and why dollar cost averaging is not good for all coins. I just like the photo selection. Can we get the rock photo back up there real quick? Like, first of all, that guy is massive. Second of all, it kind of looks like hide the pain Harold. You know the meme where it's like the old guy and he's like smiling but he's like, very nice. I saw Will probably actually had an insightful comment. So I'm going to, I'm going to dish it to him. Will save me. Yeah. I got a few thoughts for you. One love that we have another Omkar story. Omkar go to play everybody. One of the best writers out there on trading topics. And he has a nice little quip in this talking about the funding rates for this market for the gal token. He says the funding rates in the perpetual futures market tied to the gal token were profoundly negative early Wednesday, indicating a bearish bias in the market. So I just want to bring that up because I love that statement, profoundly negative. It's rare that you see something that direct in some sort of trading article because things are not often that bad. Things can be very bad for this token, which I think just kind of brings out like the bear market theme, right? It doesn't matter who you're involved with. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's a bear market for a lot of altcoins and it's going to be profoundly negative for quite a while. So regardless if you're a good project or not, I think that's just sort of the time we're in. I don't have a lot of comment on the rock stuff. We saw a lot of that happen last two years where a lot of teams tried to work with celebrities and they didn't pan out. So to me, that just kind of seems like so-so it happens. Jen, I'll throw it over to you for last comment. Yeah, I want to just mention another part of the tweet. So this deleted tweet said that under the partnership, you'd be able to scan a QR code in the Gala ecosystem to buy movie tickets and then win digital prizes on Netflix. I mean, I think that sounds pretty cool. I have so many questions about what could be in the works and how many notable names maybe were in the works to work on something with Gala that has since fallen through because of the state of the industry. And so I don't know, that sounds like a really cool user experience to me. I can imagine bopping around in a game and scanning QR code to get some like movie tickets. It's like real life and digital life coming together as one. Wendy, say something smarter and finish us off here. <laughs> All I'm going to say, it might not be smarter, but I do know the team really well. They're good friends of mine. And they a lot of these guys came from like traditional gaming and traditional entertainment. So they actually do have a lot of the connections that that, that is there. As far as the, you know, the closing of the deals and whatnot, I don't know how that stuff goes. That's all. I don't have anything smarter to add to this conversation today, but I will actually, I do. I will. Price does not equate to utility, okay? When you're talking about altcoins and Bitcoin, price doesn't equate to utility. So just because you have really, really great utility with the project doesn't mean that number is going to go up, especially in this type of market. So pay attention, folks. There you go. Shout out to the lawyers on this one. I think the lawyers got the upper hand. So point lawyers. They're like, this tweet is out. I don't know if this is fully vetted, inked, signed, sealed, delivered. The tweet's got to go. Shout out to the lawyers. All right, that's it for the show today. You know what? Coindesk TV stays doing exciting things. And Coindesk TV is going to be at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Next week, the annual meeting. It's there in Davos, up in the Alps. It's lovely there. I was there for the 2020 iteration of that event. It was good times. If you ever catch me in person, ask me about the party at the Igloo Hotel, and I'll tell you all about it. Mm. That's it for the show today. That was the hash on Coindesk. <laughs> Wendy looks shocked. Everyone else just kind of going with it, nodding along. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Appreciate that. Pieces all around. I'm Zach Stewart. What happened Foxley, at the hotel? Jen Sanasi and Wendy O. He ate a lot of we'll tacos. We'll talk to you later, I'm sure. <laughs> From bugs. There wasn't tacos. There was uh -oh. some fondue involved, though. Ooh, caviar. Very nice. <laughs> anyway, talk to you later. This is how rumors start. Bye. See you, bye. <laughs>
You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 